0: Okay, Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. Jacob has left Haran and is headed back to the promised land. God has told Jacob it's time to go. And now Jacob is on the threshold. He's on the east side of the the Jabbok River. Uh, It's a small stream. Uh, he's on the east side, and he's about ready to enter the land of Canaan. And uh, he knows that the, there's a relationship that he needs to repair between him and his brother, and he's very nervous about that. So I'm going to read this text, but I'm going to read it in sections, and then then um, explain uh, each of the sections as we go. So, I want to begin with verses 1 and 2 this morning. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. So he came, he called the name of that place Mahanaim. I practice that word. Mahanaim which means uh, God's camp. So here we are in verses 1 and 2. Jacob is on the threshold. And uh, in these verses, uh, Jacob encounters God's angels. And so as we read through this text this morning, church, this is the main theological idea of this chapter that God camps around his children. God's camp sets the standard for the crisis of faith. And just as God's camp was with Jacob, child of God, you and I need to understand that God's camp is with us as well. And, you know, as I studied this text and prepared this text, over and over again, I saw myself in the life of Jacob. You know, I know these things. I know that God is with us and that he will never leave us or forsake us. He holds us in his hand and no one will take us out of his hand. But when we are faced with a crisis of faith... How often do we forget what God has told us? He is with us. We learn this in Jacob's life in Genesis chapter 28, when Jacob was heading to Haran and fell asleep that night, and he had a vision, and there was a ladder going from the from earth to heaven, and their angels uh, ascending and descending on top of this ladder. On this ladder, and the Lord Jesus was at the top of the ladder, and and God says to Jacob, "I am your God, Jacob," and He called that place Bethel, um, God's house. And wherever Jacob went, and then Jacob went from the land of Canaan, and he went to Haran. And you know what? God was with him there. And we see God abundantly uh, blessing Jacob when Laban is treating him really bad. And yet God continues to bless Jacob's life. And now Jacob is coming back to the land of Canaan, and he stands on the threshold of the promised land that God says he's going to give to Jacob and here are angels and he realizes that this is God's camp he needed this encouragement because he's about to meet Esau and he's stressed out about uh, this encounter but this is this is God's reminder to Jacob You know, we have our visible camp, but then there is God's camp. And so here we see in this plant, in in chapter uh, 22, 32, that this is God's camp, and he called the name of the place Manahem, which means two camps. Jacob had his camp, his visible camp, but then there is an invisible camp. That God revealed to Jacob, and this is God's camp. And that camp is with every one of God's children. Wherever you are, God goes with you as well. So take encouragement from that. We need that. You know, there's a story in 2 Kings chapter 6 uh, concerning. Elijah, uh, Elisha and his servant, uh, 2 Kings 6, 6, they were, they were about to be, um, there was a, there was an army, a huge army that was about to overpower Israel. And the servant was very, very concerned, very scared, stressed out, but Elijah wasn't. And Elisha prayed to the Lord in 2 Kings chapter 6, Open the eyes of my servant that he might see what surround us. And the Bible says God opened the servant's eyes and there was was a multitude of angels and uh, fiery chariots surrounding Israel and protected Israel the the army of Israel church God has an army of angels there are fiery chariots that we can't see but are surrounding us as well the bible says in in uh, psalm chapter 34 verse 7 that he encamps around those who are His? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who are His, and delivers them. This is our God. This is what the Bible teaches. In church, we can stand in that confidence. Be grateful that God is with us. And so, this is what we see in verses one and two, and then we come to verses three through five. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants i have sent to tell my lord in order that i may find favor in your sight jacob sends messengers to esau the reason why he sends messengers to esau is he knows that there needs to be reconciliation that occur that needs to occur with his brother When Jacob had left 20 years ago, Esau wanted to kill his brother Jacob because Esau felt like he had stolen his father's blessing. And granted, Jacob was deceitful, but you know what? The blessing, God said, from the beginning, before and when Rebekah, Jacob's mother, was pregnant with twins, God told Rebekah that the older is going to serve the younger. The younger is going to receive the inheritance. The younger is going to receive the blessing. It was always Jacob's. But Jacob deceived his father Isaac in blessing him, pretending to be Esau. And then Esau learning this, Esau became irate and wanted to kill his brother Esau. And so that's why Jacob had to flee. And so here we see Jacob coming back, and he knows that uh, he's not looking forward to to this encounter. Okay? And so he, he, uh, he, he makes a plan. He wants to soften Esau through bribery. We see that it's in verse 5 and verse 20 with gifts. Jacob is tremendously blessed. And so he wants to give a lot of this blessing back to Esau. And you know what? That is unnecessary. Jacob has forgotten. Here the angels have reminded him in verses 1 and 2 that God is in the camp. God is with Jacob. God is going to work these things out, and yet Jacob feels like he needs to manipulate things, that he needs to strategize. And isn't that just like me? When I'm in a stressful situation, oftentimes I'm not trusting God. I'm trying to figure out the solution to my problem. And prayer becomes a last resort when I'm really, really desperate. When I would save myself a whole lot of grief if I would just be trusting God in the very beginning. Jacob doesn't have to manipulate or bribe Esau. Look what... um, we see in verse 4 address Esau as Lord my Lord Esau uh, your servant Jacob it's like he's wanting to minimize the blessing and birthright Esau isn't Jacob's Lord the older is to serve the younger but here Jacob wants to be the servant of Esau. That Esau is Jacob's Lord. And this is not what God ordained. This is not the way things should be. And nothing, nothing is going to thwart the will of God. God has ordained this before these boys or even conceived that this is the way the relationship was to work out and so Jacob sends his messengers hoping it's going to soften Esau's heart and then we come to verses 6 through 8 and the messengers return to Jacob saying we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you and there are 400 men with him then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two camps, thinking, if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. Okay, Con- Jacob continues to strategize. You know, these messengers come back and we've met with Esau, they say and uh, he's coming to meet you, and there are 400 men with him. You know, they didn't bother to kind of articulate, you know, that, you know, he's in a good mood, we had a good conversation. Jacob doesn't sense any of this. All he hears is that Esau is coming, and he's bringing 400 men with him. Last time he had heard from his brother, his brother wanted to kill him. So here we see Jacob totally stressed out. And so he, uh, he, he, in his, in his stress, he divides the camp into two groups. And we're going to learn more about those groups in just a moment. Who's most important and who's least important. And that's not a good situation, okay? We'll get there in a minute. And so hearing this, Jacob does the right thing. Jacob prays, all right? So let's read Jacob's prayer. It's a good prayer. Verses 9 through 12. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me From the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered or multiplied. This is Jacob's prayer. And he's addressing God to begin with as the faithful God of his father, Abraham and Isaac. He knows God's nature. He knows God's identity. And he tells God, God, you told me to come back here. God, I've been obedient to, to where I am in this moment. And then in verse 10, he confesses his unworthiness. He humbles himself. He has the the correct attitude when it comes to prayer. He knows that all of his blessing, all that he has, has come from God. When he left Canaan to go to Haran, he says he just had his staff as he crossed the Jordan. But now as he's coming back, he has so many possessions. God has blessed him so much that he's, he's put his... Belongings, his possessions into two camps. And he knows that this is all from God. And in verse 11, he, he asks God, deliver me. And you know what? God's going to do exactly do that when he blesses him. But it's not going to be necessarily Jacob's idea for deliverance. Uh, as we'll see towards the conclusion of this text. But then in verses 11 and 12, he rehearsed God's promises. Look at verse 12. But you said to me, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. This is Jacob's God. And he rehearses those promises. You know, some of you say, I just don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. Well, this is a good model here. This is a good pattern for your prayer life. Acknowledge God's faithfulness in your life. Uh, humble yourself before Him. Acknowledge that all you have belongs to Him. It's all come from Him. Ask God to deliver you, uh, help you as you walk through those those difficult times, and then rehearse God's promises. Well, what are God's promises? We need to repeat God's promises back to him and to ourselves, Because guess what? It gives us confidence in who God is, what he promises to do, and what he wants to do and will do through us and for us. And so this was Jacob's prayer. And so he did the right thing here. He prayed. And then in verses 13 through 21. So he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present, took a present for his brother Esau. Two hundred female goats and 20 male goats, and 200 ewes, and 20 rams, and 30 milking camels, and their calves, 40 cows, and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. Though these he handed over to his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass on ahead of me, and put a space between between drove and drove." Stop there for just a second. Jacob is strategizing again. Okay? He's just prayed to God. He's reminded God of what he promised he was going to do to Jacob. He he repeated God's promises back to God, reminding him of himself. But again, Jacob is trying to figure it out on his own. That's me. I think that's a lot of us. But you know what? By the grace of God, He still loves us. He's ever so patient with us and continues to work and to manifest His presence and pour out His blessings upon our life. Verse 17. And he he instructed the first. When Esau my brother meets you and asks you, to whom do you belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say, they belong to your servant Jacob. Again, Jacob's not the servant. The older is to serve the younger. But These belong to your servant Jacob. They are present, sent to my Lord Esau. And moreover, he is behind us. He likewise instructed the second and the third and all who followed the droves, you shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me. And afterward, I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him and he himself stayed that night in the camp. So here we see fear and guilt that still fills Jacob. And once again he's trying to soften his brother. He's trying to bribe his bro- brother with all these presents. There's going to be 550 animal animals that are going to be given to his brother Esau. And in essence he's saying, "Please take my blessing." The blessing belongs to Jacob. This was not necessary for Jacob to do. He doesn't have to work at this. Jacob feels like he needs to make reparations. My friends, reparations will never change the heart of man now if you've offended somebody or if you if you've uh, uh, wrecked something uh, that belongs to something somebody else obviously you need to make amends you need to uh, help replace that but here the blessing and the inheritance. Belongs to Jacob. But Jacob wants to make reparations to his brother Esau. Reparations will never change the heart of others. Heart of man. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can change the heart of man. You know, there's a... Um, There's a passage in 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19. Uh, The the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, was was conquering peoples all around him. In fact, they had conquered uh, Israel. Israel has now fallen. And now Sennacherib wants to come after Judah. And uh, Hezekiah gets word of this he's the king of J- Judah and Sennacherib threatens um, Hezekiah. And so Hezekiah hopes to appease uh, the king of Sin- Sinaria. so he takes treasures out of the temple and gives them to Sennacherib, thinking that uh, Assyria will leave them alone. It didn't change this wicked king's heart. The king wanted more. And God had to remind Hezekiah that this is not the way to do things. Trust me, Hezekiah. (laughs) the, the, The camp of God surrounds you. I am your protector. I am going to take care of you. And what God said he would do through the prophet Isaiah, that is exactly what God did. He spared the people of Judah from the evil king, Sennacherib. Reparations don't work. Only the gospel can change the heart of men, And so this was Jacob's plan. Again, he's not trusting God. He's not believing necessarily God's going to protect him. He's got to do something. But it was the wrong thing to do. And then verses 22 through 32. The same night... He arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me what your name is. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place, Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. On the sinew of of the thigh. A most interesting passage of scripture. In fact, this is um, this is uh, Jacob's um, most shocking event of his life. He wrestles with a man, uh, and uh, the Bible doesn't tell us who this man is, but we can presume assume that it is. Um, it is God. It is uh, Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ. Uh, some commentators say that uh, it was an angel of the Lord. Oftentimes, uh, the Lord Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, is uh, uh, described as an angel of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. But here we see Jacob wrestling with a man. Jacob is by himself this night. Okay, he has sent his families, his family uh, across the Jabbok, all the possessions. He's put them into two camps. And in fact, the Bible doesn't tell us here, but in verse chapter 33, the two camps are comprised of uh, the maidservants and their children in one camp, and then Rachel and Leah and their children in the second camp. And... The first camp with the maid servants and their children, they're first. And Jacob's thinking to himself, well, if they're attacked, attack, if they're exterminated, at least that gives the second camp a chance to get away, to escape. And so Jacob, in essence, is letting his family know who's most important. Uh, not, a, not an easy situation, or I'm not sure the best situation, but this is Jacob's uh, strategy, And so he he's sent them on the other side. And so Jacob is on the east side of the J- 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 uh, Javik River all by himself. And he's, he's stressed out because he knows he's going to be meeting Esau soon. Um, and he's having a restless night's sleep. The Bible says he wrestles with a man. I mentioned this to Susan this morning. And I was preaching on this passage. And, uh, you know, our grandkids uh, sleep, uh, stay with us on Saturday nights. And uh, typically I make the beds uh, on Sunday morning. And every time I make their beds, it looks like they have been wrestling with God. <laughs> I don't know if you know what I mean, but uh, those bed sheets are all over the place. How can people, kids, sleep like this? But uh, here Jacob is, and he's wrestling with a man. And uh, understand that this is a real event. You know, some Bible interpreters want to say that uh, this is a dream narrative, or it's an allegory um, that uh, that uh, Jacob was in a fight with his soul that night, or or that Jacob is struggling in prayer. Um, but church, this is not a myth. This is an actual, historical uh, event and if to believe otherwise weakens the significance of the point of in Israel's history. God is about to change Jacob's name to Israel, a man who strives with God and with men. And so this story is critical to the naming of And making of of Jacob, and this event is um, linked to a dietary uh, restriction when it comes to to the Jews, Um, that they are to avoid the sinew uh, tendon that connects the muscle bone to muscle to the bone in an animal's hip, as the Jews are eating. the, the, the animal, they are to refrain from the hip portion of that animal, not to eat the sinew. And because it is a reminder of the wrestling that took place in this passage of scripture in God naming Jacob Israel. And so this is a very significant event and uh, not only is jacob's name changed but you know what his nature is changed as well god allowed jacob to wrestle with him and through that wrestling god blessed jacob and the blessing came through a hip that uh, was displaced I don't know if that's ever happened in your life it's never happened in my life but for those who have hip issues I mean it is a very <laughs> painful situation and the bible says that as as God was wrestling with Jacob uh, God just merely touched Jacob's hip and it became dislocated. And as a result of that touch, Jacob limped. not just for a few days, but he limped for the rest of his life. There's times where God allows us to wrestle with Oftentimes we wrestle with him over his will for our life. But it's in that wrestling that God wants to bless us. Maybe it's through difficulty with whatever you're going through, and whatever God wants you to do. God allows you to wrestle with him. And he wants you and I to persevere in that wrestling and to not give up. And as we persevere in those times of wrestling with him, you know what? There is blessing on the other side of the wrestling match. It was in the wrestling That God dislocated Jacob's hip. And how painful that was. But Jacob didn't give up. He held on to God. And said, and then, and then God said, God, the person who could have just poured out his wrath On Jacob, who could have ended it before it ever even started. God says, let me go. And Jacob says, not until you bless me. So here God is allowing Jacob to wrestle with him. He has painfully dislocated his hip. But Jacob doesn't give up. He's not going to let go of God until God blesses him. And God asks, What is your name? What is your name? What does that have to do with blessing? But again, Jacob had to see himself. Jacob's been a deceiver. his name means supplanter, heel grabber, someone who, who wants to get first place. He's going to figure it out. He's going to uh, deceive and do whatever it takes to get there. That's going to be, that's been his name, Jacob. And so Jacob needs to recognize this. This is who he is. But God says, no longer. Your name is going to be Israel. Israel meaning one who strives with God and with man. And then when when the when God gives Jacob his new name Israel. The Bible says he blesses him and then he leaves. Jacob's received the blessing. Jacob's received a new name. And Jacob is leaving that encounter. Changed for the rest of his life. Yeah, when he was in Genesis chapter 28, and he realized that uh, that in that vision, that uh, God was in this place. He named this place Bethel. And Jacob knew that God was now his God, not just Abraham's, not just Isaac's, but his. Jacob left for Haran knowing that God was with him, God was for him. But now when he's coming back, he's got a new nature. He's humble, he's walking with a limp. That God created. That became a blessing in Jacob's life. And there are sometimes things happen in our life that we think aren't oh, a blessing. God, what are you doing? God, heal me. And yet, God wants to use that weakness in our life to make us strong in him. Jacob had been strong in himself and weak in his soul. But now, Jacob is a humble man. There's not a whole lot he can do. And he's got to rely on others. But more importantly, he's got to rely on his God. And now, Jacob is prepared to meet his brother in Genesis chapter 33. Jacob's God is my God and is your God. And that God never changes, He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And just as he worked in Jacob's life, church, he is working in our life. Are you wrestling right now? And what God would have you to do in your life? Keep wrestling. Keep pursuing. Keep holding on. God is going to bless your heart's desires is God in your camp this morning how can God be in our camp well you got to be a child of God you gotta humble yourself. What's your name? (laughs) I know my earthly name. I'm not proud of my old self. I'm not proud of my old nature. But by the grace of God, He gives you a new nature. He forgives all of your sin and calls you his own. But, you got to stop doing it yourself. You got to wave the white flag and say, God, I need you. When you confess your sin, acknowledge that Christ died for your sin, was was raised from the dead three days later, you believe that in your heart and commit your life him, you know what? You're in God's camp. You're no longer alone. You belong to him. Is God in your camp this morning? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who are his and delivers them. And the last question is, what's your idea of blessing? Material blessings, you know, money in the bank. The real blessing is when God gives you a new nature that you stop being the, the manipulator, the deceiver, and know that God is the prize. God is the prize. Matthew six thirty three. Jesus says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will come to you. That's the blessing. Jacob had a dislocated hip that God never healed. That was a blessing to remind him that he is weak and God is strong. Paul had a vision problem. And he prayed to the Lord, he prayed to the Lord that God would remove um, the the issue of his eyes. But that was the very blessing that Paul needed in his life to keep him humble as all that God had shown to him. So maybe you're looking at something in your life that you think is a curse that is really an upside-down blessing from the Lord. Maybe you need to praise God for it and how he's using this in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the life of Jacob. Oh imperfect Jacob who's always trusting in himself and not in you. Lord, that, how is, that is such a mirror of me. And of many of us here in this room, God help us to trust your plans and not our own. Oh, it's good to make plans, and we need to make plans. But just know that, God, you can change those plans. And through all that planning, we are trusting you, that you will be glorified. So, Lord, as you've spoken to people's hearts in this service this morning, May you use it in their life. May it not go into one ear and out the other. But may they wrestle with this text. May they wrestle with their relationship with you. Asking God that you bless them and that they persevere and hold on to you and find that you are the reward. Thank you, Father, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.